0: Hello and welcome back, League Liga fans. This is the Total Football Analysis La Liga podcast. I'm your host, professional soccer player Alex Comcia, joined once again by El Professor Chris Mumford, professor of innovation in the house. What's going on, Chris?
1: Not much, not much. A lot of soccer, international break.
0: Take a breather now. For sure. And coach and expert analyst, Scott Martin. How
2: you doing, Scott? Right. I'm kind of ready for this international break. I don't know about you guys. That was a lot of soccer in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, these last
2: few episodes,
0: we've definitely been covering a lot of games. And here we go once again. Definitely we need a break. Real Madrid stumble in, it has to be said, incredible VAR and penalty kick fashion this week, losing 4-1 to Valencia, who let's not forget... Chris projected to get relegated this year. So we'll see if that continues. We've got to hold you accountable to that. (laughs) Atletico Madrid smashed newcomers Cadiz to let them know what it's like to play with the big boys. Barca finally find their groove, winning 5-2 against Real Betis, inspired by Messi coming off the bench. Weird to say that. Villarreal is on a hot streak, beating the Bullies in Hitafe 3-1 and Real Sociedad continue to run the table beating a really good Granada side 2-0. So, here's what the table looks like going into this week. Real Sociedad first, Villarreal second, Atletico Madrid third, Real Madrid dropped to fourth, Granada fifth and Cadiz dropped to sixth. FC Barcelona up to eighth and Sevilla up to 12. So it looks and seems like That top eight is starting to look a little more normal. If we can say normal, still some chaos and absolutely a lot of points to be played for in the upcoming games and weeks after the international break. Champions League also featured this past week as well with Real Madrid beating Inter Milan 3-2, FC Barcelona beating Dinamo Kiev 2-1, Sevilla beating Cazador in a thriller 3-2. And Atletico Madrid tying locomotive, surprisingly, 1-1. So we're going to jump right into our Champions League recap. Scott, you want to kick us off with your opinion on Real Madrid versus Inter Milan? This is a lot to unpack here.
2: Oh, so much to unpack. So, you know, I, I think we we hit a couple of the the major talking points going into this game. Alex, I think you were the one who mentioned you know, a really interesting tactical battle between Hakimi and Mendy. And from a tactical standpoint, I watch in the, mat or in the game. Um, but the other one that stood out to me and if there is any cause for concern for Real Madrid, taking it to uh, Sergio Ramos most of the match. Yeah. So from a defensive standpoint, I thought Real Madrid struggled to cope with his movement. He was very active moving between the lines. Um, you know, especially if Casemiro stepped out, or or Cruz was out of position, which happened on that first goal. Right. Uh, we saw Cruz and Valverde both pressing on the right hand side, leaving that little pocket of space in that left half space wide open. And uh, you know that's that's where Real Madrid got victimized. And um, you know from a defensive standpoint, that's that's the big concern. But at least in this match, they were able to overcome it. Um, again. A little bit of luck with Hakimi's horrible back pass. Um, great read by Benzema to intercept the pass around the keeper. And then, you know, a nice little corner kick routine. Casemiro set a, a nice little pick on De Vrij and that gave Ramos just enough space to get around, have that back post header. So, you know, it, it's not it wasn't the prettiest of games, um, but it, it was at least encouraging to see Real Madrid uh, connecting a little bit more in the attack and, at least producing more dangerous opportunities.
0: Yeah, we we spoke a lot in the preview, and I think we got it, you know, pretty correctly with the dangers that Hakimi would pose. You bring up some really good points there about how Ramos would step, and you know, there was also some issues with that, not only in this game but in the Valencia game. We'll we'll talk about as well. But in the ninth minute, Ramos gets caught stepping up on the halfway line. This is before their before Inter Milan's first goal obviously. And then Hakimi gets in behind on the right-handed side. Mendy was, was marking him. Hakimi whips in a great cross for Perisic who, who chops it back for a sliding Vasquez was definitely going to be a meme in the next few days. And he, he really, Perisic plays a nice chip ball over to Barela, who just, it's kind of a little bit too high for him and he heads it. Really easy pickings, I think, for Courtois, but Ramos comes and almost falls into him. I thought that was a an interesting play because it summarized the way that, you know, this Madrid side can get exposed on the counterattack. And we talked about whether Inter Milan was going to play a little bit deeper and try to play on that counter. And the first goal, like you said, that first goal was was pretty superb with the brilliant flick from Barela, that's got to be a sports center top five for sure. On to Lataro who finishes well. I did think Varan was, it wasn't just Ramos who was, who stepped up because I think the, the flick comes very quickly to Ramos's defense. So mm-hmm. he can't really just eat up that space. He has to predict that maybe, you know, Barela's or sorry, whoever's flicking on the ball is going to take a touch and then he can maybe, you know, Close that space down, but because it came so fast, he didn't have time to react. So I actually fault Varan a little bit more for not being close, one step, just one step closer inside to Sergio Ramos, and he would have covered that space. And there's absolutely no way with Varane's tackling and long leg ability, you know, to reach behind. He almost got the ball from Latado from an outside spot that I think Latado wanted to finish at. And I think that would have been a little bit easier for Real Madrid to control um, the rest of the game because, and then Perisic again, tying it 2-2. Yeah, you know, on
2: that play in particular, you know, if Ramos, by going as early as he did, I thought Ramos took that little half second that Varane needed to recover away. You know, it's just totally off the table at that point. So if he stays, he remains tight to Lotero. Sure, Barella gets the ball, he can turn, uh, maybe get a shot, but again, it's from distance. I think Courtois got the angle covered. So, you know, probably danger averted at that point. But he's very aggressive stepping forward. And at that point, everything has to fall in Real Madrid's favor for the play to work out. And it didn't. You know, it, to interest credit, that was a really well-worked team goal. Right. Um, my other issue, though, was Mendy. You could see as that cross came in, he was sitting in the the left-half space. As Bareilles, uh, you know, getting ready for the flick he stays out wide mm. to prevent the the pass out to Hakimi but you're, you're 3v2 in that area er- or 2v3 in that area so why not pinch a little tighter to Ramos and deny the more dangerous part of the pitch right or you know maybe why isn't he the one running to Varela to allow Ramos to stay on Martinez so you know sure they can swing the ball to Hakimi but I'd rather get the ball to Hakimi on the wing than Lotero Martinez.
0: Right. And and Chris, we spoke about the clash of the giants in goal, right? Handanovic versus Courtois. How do you feel their performance was? 3-2 game? I mean, could there have been a couple more saves, or is that unfair?
1: I don't think so. I mean, the truth is is that um, Courtois had one save, uh, and Handanovic had four saves. Um, so, um, and I, there are a couple of really legit ones there. You know, I, I think y'all, if y'all remember, I I thought this Real Madrid was going to roll over Inter, largely because they, um, Lukaku was missing. And I just didn't feel like there was enough offensive punch. And to Inter's credit, they made it closer than what I I thought it was going to be. But the truth is, is that Inter only had three shots on goal, right? And um, so Courtois didn't just didn't have a whole lot of work uh, versus Real Madrid seven. So um you know, Perisic did score in the sixty eighth minute, sixty eighth minute, and it was kind of a cleanup sort of goal. But guess what? Being at the right place at the right time uh, trumps everything, uh, and he was able to uh, to take a mess and and turn it into a, a nice bow and a gift to Inter fans. Um, that being said, I still think that Lukaku is such a great target man. He's such a focal point for the offense um, that he was sorely missed, uh, and. Um, you know, I'm going to be really interested to see um, in other Champions League matches once Lukaku gets healthy. He didn't look very healthy in his return match domestically um, with that torn um, abductor uh, muscle. But yeah, it's I, I think it's it's has, hats off to Inter. Um, Real seemed to to kind of scrape it on by.
0: Right, and, and despite Inter looking dangerous early, I thought obviously going up 2-0, Real Madrid handled it pretty well um it was a feisty game i mean it's going to be a feisty game anytime you have vidal you know in the lineup and you have a guy like Nangolan on the bench subbing in for vidal right those mm-hmm. are the the bruisers that i'm sure hitafe would love to sign if if, if they were a little cheaper mm-hmm. but you go back to benzema's first goal i do want to talk about this a little because hakimi seems to get fouled by Mendy debatable there because Mendy's arms are both up and it looks like he's pushing Hakimi. Now the argument is that even if it's a foul, it looks like the ball is actually already played and I would argue that even if Mendy didn't necessarily have both his arms up to push Hakimi, I think Hakimi still makes a bad pass to Benzema who goes through on goal. Do you guys agree?
2: You know, I, I was actually worried that it was coming back once far I took a look at it there were pretty clearly two hands on hakimi's shoulder blades right so you know even if it's just in the follow through of the pass i think that's enough to have an influence right so you know i think a little bit of luck for real madrid uh, it's probably one that could go one way or the other what were your thoughts chris uh,
1: i'm i'm in the same same boat this Maybe I'm a little too old-fashioned, but uh, if you're going to put two hands on the shoulder be- blades, you need to at least go out to dinner first. Boom.
0: <laughs> well, Ramos responded right after as well. Like you said, uh, Scott, with a really beautiful header. That marks his 100th goal. And let's remind everyone he is a center back. 100th goal for Real Madrid all time. You know, what What? What? A, an amazing... Um, statistic for for any player not especially a defender DeVry was man marking him but it looked like Casemiro got a really nice pick you know it's just it reminded me of you know a lot of the moments where where I'm man marking in the box and and picks can be so so tricky and the way you stay with with certain players especially if you're man marking it, it can get easy at times if there's a really nicely done pick like i thought casemiro's was smart it had the perfect timing he backed up at the right time ramos is moving as devry is trying to follow him so he's already got an edge on him and then he places a places a beautiful header 2-0 up then like we described the first goal for inter 2-1 parisic's goal was interesting for me uh 2-2 Yes, Chris, definitely right place at the right time. It was Casemiro who actually got caught out in possession, but I don't necessarily blame him. I thought Benzema's layoff to him was unfair. It was, you know, he was five yards away from him as Casemiro was having pressure. So I think poor layoff from Benzema. Not that I think Benzema had many other options. Good pressing from Inter Milan. If you you look back, Ramos actually steps up on Lotado and wins the ball very well. So this was a good case where he did exceptionally well. And I think the key to this goal is how Vidal reacts to Ramos stepping out and the ball falling to Vidal. At one time, he plays it directly over the top to an ongoing Lotado, who has noticed that although Ramos has done his job and stepped up and, and won the ball from me, now he's in front of me. I can make an immediate run in behind. And Vidal very smartly plays that ball over Ramos' head. Lotado heads it on to Perisic, and, and it has to be said, Perisic has a very, very good finish, and it's a challenging one because Vasquez does come back from a late position and gets goal side, but I don't think he does quite enough, and clearly he doesn't do enough in terms of poking his feet into Perisic because his positioning is good. You agree, Scott? Because he's, he's there, even though he started behind, he makes a great recovery one, but he just doesn't get into the ball. And I think that was key to letting that, that, that shot
2: in. Yeah, you know, that's a fair point. And I think if it is Carvajal in the lineup, he's probably getting a touch on that play. Right, um, But if you're Real Madrid and you're down to your fourth, right back, then and that is a risk you're going to have to take at, at times. Um, and I, I think that's why it's even more important that they are a little more attack-oriented right now, just to allow for the occasional slip-up from Vasquez. Um, but to your point, Ramos does come forward, and he does win the ball. Um, but Lot- Lotero Martinez goes up on that header just like Ramos. The difference is that Lotero kept running. As soon as he saw it, Ramos was out, he ran in, in the space behind. Varane kept her. Uh, I guess it was Vasquez who kept him on side, and um, yeah, Ramos just stopped and ball watched for a second and a half, and that was enough for Lotero Martinez to get his his 15 yard cushion and set up that nice little goal in the box. Right. So, yeah, I mean, again, um, I think Ramos getting caught out in the midfield it was just another issue on that goal. So granted, you know, it, it is a difficult recovery. And Alex, I, yeah, I think you would back that up, that it is tough yeah. to win that header, think you've won possession for your side, and then recover to the, uh, you know. Right.
0: Your momentum out. is essentially moving forward when he wins it. And as you've as you've won that, you're, you're kind of looking at where the clearance has gone. And the clearance has gone straight to Vidal. By the time I understand who the clearance has gone to, because I need to look if it's us who won the ball, Cause then I need to maybe spread out and be ready for possession or whether they've won the ball and it was them who won the ball. But like I said, Vidal with a one touch, perfect, just over the top. It's, it's one of those where you're looking up like, geez, that's a really great ball. You know, if we can be critical of a player at Ramos's level, absolutely. I agree with your point. Like he should absolutely, as soon as you clear that turn around, get back in the defensive line. Cause then you see Varane coming over. I don't think that was Varane's fault at all. I think he was in a good position initially. He tries to come over and deal with Lottado, but Lotado does brilliantly. First-time header off the Vidal through ball, and then Paris is just does brilliantly too. This Inter Milan is squad is is very good, even without Lukaku. Chris,
1: yeah, I I don't know. I, I just I feel that Inter lacked. They have an extra gear when it comes to toughness, and that's reflective of the overall team. I feel like when when um, Lukaku's in in there. If you look at loose ball duels, um, Inter won twenty four percent of them, while as yet Real Madrid won fifty six percent of them, and those those are consistent through all all the duels, even total duels. Um, Real Madrid just flat out out Inter, and I just think that um, it's uh, Inter had to to deal; they they weren't able to go to a target man that could really post up. I just feel like um, they're. They weren't as terra firma as they've been in the past, um, but still a very, very entertaining game. And I will say, uh, you won't hear me say this once, but often, but Real Madrid really toughed it out and got a, a nice win on this.
0: Right. There's a couple um, key duels. I thought you mentioned duels. I thought one of the duels that was going on all night was, was Vasquez versus Ashley Young. That, mm-hmm. was, that was pretty interesting. Not one that we would have expected mm-hmm. if we were to talk about this game two, three weeks ago we'd be talking about different players and we got to give credit to Zidane obviously for that third goal too, for getting it right. His subs combine for, for the winning goal. And it starts back from, from our man that we've been praising for a while now Valverde and rightly so he deserves that praise. He breaks that midfield line off the dribble, which is, which is very rare for a lot of midfielders to do. You've seen, guys like Kovacic do it quite well breaking from a you know more deeper defensive role you've seen you know maybe maybe at times De Jong but not as much but in this case Valverde does exceptionally well breaks the line and plays a very smart through ball down to fin- Vinicius who's obviously going to get there with, with his pace and he puts in a decent left foot cross and you got to give credit to Benzema, who drags the back three of Inter Milan back quite a lot to create that cutback left-footed cross from Vinicius to Rorigo. And Rorigo does exceptionally well to control it and then hammer it home for Madrid to ultimately get the three points and, and get the result here in a, in a hard-fought hard fought battle, which was you know the match of the week.
2: Yeah, and the other key on that play was that Rodrigo did not overrun the cross. So that is something we've seen throughout six to eight yards help. And we see that he's just not ready for that cutback cross. So a nice little decision and hopefully a sign of things to come for the really has struggled in 2020. Exactly, Scott.
0: Simply put, coaches say, like, there's only one time you can be on time, right? And that's on time. Like, timing is everything. And like you said, there's so many players, and for any – Potential young players listening, overrunning the cross is—that's one of the easiest ways to put yourself in a position where you don't even get a chance. You know, soccer is a game of of mistakes, and if you can't even you know put yourself into get a potential chance, you know that that becomes a, a real problem. And and you see it at the highest level here in this specific play. So really well done, credit to Real Madrid, credit to Zinedine Zidane, and they grinded this one out. Locomotive versus Atletico Madrid, a surprising tie here, uh, Jimenez with an incredible header in the first half has to be said on a wide free kick right at the near post, clear handball and PK against Hector Herrera. His arms are not by his side and it gets kind of crossed into his, his right arm. I think a definite PK there, which gave Moranchuk the opportunity to convert. And then from there, you know, locomotive held on. Frustrating night for Atletico Madrid after they've been doing, you know, decently well lately. Um, with 65% possession, 14 shots, six on goal, but ultimately they could not get this one done. Uh, Sevilla versus Krasnodar was a thriller, 3-2 for anyone who tuned into that one. Dramatic game there. A struggling Sevilla side; they just barely got through Krasnodar. Kunde was. A talking point you know we usually sing his praises but he makes a really bad foul which causes Suleymanov uh, to take a free kick at the top of the box and he slots it home brilliantly in almost a Messi-esque left-footed top right corner pk that you know could potentially be up for for goal of the week i don't think there's anything that Sevilla's goalkeeper Vaslik could could do there Kunde commits a silly pk Afterwards, with a clumsy kick and an attempt to to clear the ball, Berg slots it home. All of a sudden, I'm looking at the scoreline 2 0, Krasnodar. Struggling Sevilla is back again, struggling. Kunde subbed off in the 34th minute. And it has to be said, rightly so, because Sevilla do come back and win this game. And what makes this game even crazier, you know, Rakitic scores a beautiful header from across from Jordan to make it 2 1. It looks like Sevilla could be coming back. Then all of a sudden, Krasnodar gets a breakaway. Olsen goes through on goal, and Navas clips him right before the half. And Sevilla go down to 10 men with 45 minutes left to play, 2-1 down. El Nassiri gets, gets on. He capitalizes from a really poor defensive play. I'm not sure what the Krasnodar defender was doing there, dallying on the ball and really you know, give Sevilla a chance to get back into this one. All of a sudden, it's 2-2. And then El Nasseri at the end, wide free kick from Rakitic, goes off, maybe takes a deflection, hits the post, and Nasiri with an incredible finish. He's the hero. Scott, you think this is a turning point for
2: Sevilla? Followed it up with a win in La Liga. Right. It's like first time in weeks. So, yeah, I mean, you do want to see Sevilla having success both in Europe and at home. So, yeah, fingers crossed this is a turning point really amazing comeback, especially against 10 men. Um, So yeah, hopefully this is the sign of better times for Sevilla. Absolutely. And it looks like it. Our
0: final Champions League matchup was FC Barcelona versus Dinamo Kiev. And before we start, I think we really do have to shout out and maybe potentially scout Chris, this 18 year old Nesheret from Kiev in goal. I thought he was Absolutely outstanding. I thought it was, you know, a brilliant performance, not only from him, but from Tristegan, who's back in the lineup and just seems to really have solidified that Barcelona defense. Maybe solidified is a a little too much, a little too strong of a word, but definitely improved this this Barcelona defense. But what a talent he is.
1: No question. Uh, In fact, I watched that game with my son, who's a goalkeeper, and I told him, who's 16, I told him he needs to get to work. Because uh, uh, that's a that's a pretty high bar there. Um, I I really hope this this kid gets some. I think he's gonna he's or, the phones are already ringing at this point. Um, and and Ter Stegen made some very nice saves too. I mean, it was probably one of the finest goalkeeper performances I've seen on both sides this season, and probably would even consider last season as well. Definitely.
0: One that I will remember for quite a long time. And in in recent times, I'd put it up there. Uh, Young starts at center back, which we've come to see more recently with this Barcelona side. Messi gets taken out early on with a really clever flick. You know, he's clearly looking for the PK there. He knows exactly where he is. And with his right foot, just kind of dinks it over the, the Kiev defender. A little clumsy, but nothing they can do there with Messi's momentum. Definite PK, which obviously he converts. Pedri should have converted a really beautiful cross from, from, from Des on that right-handed side. It just hit the crossbar, went down, and, and luckily, you know, refs, or maybe unluckily at this case, in, in this point in time, they have their watch, which has the goal line technology. So rest assured, if the ball goes over the line, the referees know. Unless it's that Varane case that we're going to talk about soon, Scott, in La Liga, that was a little weird. Griezmann misses a sitter uh, with great footwork from from Fatih. I still think Fatih's really coming into you know his own, and he's been doing that for a while now, and I, I kind of see little glimpses of Neymar in him at times with... With his chops and the way he he likes to stay wide and 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 cut in as well. He's fantastic talent. This looked like it was going to be a 5-0 game, but no wait. Tristegan has to bail his team out, what, four to five times? He has a ridiculous save from Bajalski with his with his forearm off a header. First half, Barcelona did play some really beautiful football, but they still got caught out and man it's again to sing terstegen's praises it's so good to see him back but despite him being back barca looks so vulnerable on the counterattacks. even with a side that in all due respect kiev is is not the best team going forward like not at
2: all so well, it's they, interesting they, right, they cut up de jong pretty often in this game yeah especially in the second half de jong, I think showed that he's not quite ready to make that leap to center back. And when you look at this game, to me, the the talking point was just the number of quality chances that were missed. I mean, each team realistically could have come away with three or four goals, Mm -hmm. uh, if not for Barcelona. So XG for the match was 3.7 for Barcelona, 2.14 for Kiev. I mean, even 2.14 is a great number in terms of expected goals. So it it just gives you a a signal of, uh, you know, how sloppy both teams were at the back and how clutch the keepers were. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely.
0: Great point there. And go ahead, Chris.
1: Can I – I am happy to keep punching away at Barcelona, but let me give you a counter-narrative, okay? Just just hit you with one point. So right now – if if you look at the groups um, real madrid is in third place in group b right Sevilla is in second place in group e and guess what place barcelona is in group g they're in first they're in first place okay so look there's vulnerabilities and all that stuff and as much as as a as a goalkeeper i want to have like an incredible defense and incredible offense in front of me The reason why Der Stegen makes so much money is if there are going to be instances where the team is down, he's going to make the stops. And if there's someone that can make those stops, Oblak has been, that's been his whole career at Real Madrid, in my opinion, right? He's the guy that's bailed them out. And I think that Der Stegen will will be up for much of the season. I don't think he's going to turn everything around himself. You know, Messi's got to, Come along and um, we all know the challenges The emotional and mental challenges that are going on and hit his head. I would imagine the demons are strong. I would bet so I don't know I feel I think Barça is going to be doing okay. And by the way, if you look at the the europa league, you know Villarreal and uh, is 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 hanging in there real Sociedad is in third place but villarreal is in first place in in group. I so you know, let's Things are kind of going okay along the way in in, in European football for La Liga. So it is early though, group stages.
2: Yeah, Chris. I, Chris, I understand. Maybe Barca right? or Bayern.
1: Hey, you can only play the games that you have right now, right? I mean, true. <laughs> they've you done they've
0: done well, the... right? Right. You can only play the games that you have, and I think, like you said, Tristegan being back there, maybe it does allow Barcelona to take a little Barcelona to take a little bit more risk and say, you know what. You know, we're just trying to go all out attack, and if we get countered, we're going to counter our guy Tristegan to bail us out. Now, that's great, but when you come up against the cream of the crop, and Barcelona historically is their standards are just so ridiculously high, as are Bayern Munich's, as are Real Madrid's, in my opinion, we're talking about the three biggest clubs in football, their standards are just at a different level. So even when they do win, in Barcelona's case you know i watched the documentary take the ball pass the ball you look at their history and obviously under the guardiola era their their club is known as they can't just win they have to win in the right way you know and maybe that's been a problem as of late uh, within the club because they're so stubborn about their ways you know i've had my rants about that however you know there ha- you have to point out some of the key things that I think are very fixable. I don't think Barcelona is a catastrophe whatsoever. I think they're a very good team. The problem is I do see little moments where it's like, if they just only fix this thing and it happens to be that thing is very much on the defensive side, they would be so much better. And and to be honest, being in eighth place after how many games have they played? What? It's seven, nine week nine. Now, Mm -hmm. I think for some teams, that's not a. That's not really acceptable, Chris. I understand, but that's for this club. That's not acceptable.
1: I, I hear you, but here's the bottom line. Okay, the Champions League is a tournament, and anything. Lyon. What was Lyon in the domestic table last year? And they they went as deep as they did, right? RB Leipzig, which is a great club, right? But they're not top tier, but they went super deep in Champions League. So, because guess what? You've had, you know, in one case you have the system and in others you, you have the players and the truth is, is Barca has still got the players. They're just not connecting. So domestic, I'm going to rescind my my prediction that they're going to be first place in the Liga, but I still think they got a heck of a shot in, in Champions League. Right.
0: Well, we sure hope so. Uh, PK 2-0 with a really brilliant header from him finds himself in that position and, and, and finds the right lower hand side of the goal off a really nice cross from Mansufati. But then Jankov gets one in the 79th minute. She gave a little bit of panic to to Barcelona at the end there. Great save for Ter Stegen on the initial one. I don't think there's much he can do um, on the rebound there. Just right place, right time. And yeah, like we said, man of the match, 18-year-old Nesherit from Kiev. And Ter Stegen from Barcelona. Shout out to the goalkeepers. So that's our Champions League recap, and let's get into the most fun or maybe not most fun game if you're a Real Madrid fan, but definitely the most entertaining game of the week. I thought it was going to be Inter-Real Madrid. It actually happened to be Valencia versus Real Madrid. 4-1 and three PKs. I don't even know where to start here, Scott.
2: Let's start with that first penalty kick. Um, so I think definitely a PK on Vasquez. I mean, as a defender, that's an awkward position uh, to pull your arms to your body or to your side. But his arms are out, uh, redirects. The... Sure. Clear PK. Right. <laughs> so Valencia takes the penalty kick, misses. And then Musa, young American, uh, suiting up in, uh, in Wales in a couple days. But he puts the ball in, but it's deemed that he on the kick. By the rules, that is. So with the the PK missing and him encroaching, uh, no goal, no retake. But the referees thought otherwise. That's that's weird. Yeah. So when I was looking
0: back at that goal specifically, or that PK situation, I I did not understand what the redo was was four for the spot and it sounds like you don't really either like it was just at the discretion of the referee chris so, did you did you see it as anything else or was it just the referee's decision there i don't i don't know what to think of this one
1: it, it was a head scratcher I, I wasn't sure what was going on i don't know if the referees really fully understood what was going on uh in the scheme of things i don't know how to explain that and we all know that you go down one zero, and I know it's still Real Madrid, but it still it still has an impact. Yeah, right.
0: Benzema got on the sheet early. Uh, Golazo, really, from oh, yeah. from Marcelo on the left. Magnificent goal! Yeah. Magnificent goal! Yeah. And uh, it was just it was just odd for me because th- this game felt like there was just a lot of disruption, and clearly there's going to be a lot of disruption when you have. Three PKs. We can go. You know, Soler had a great game. Probably more because he scored three PKs than having a great game. But you know, he's going to get those nice bonuses for the hat trick, and he'll take the ball home and the big win against against uh, Real Madrid. What about Varane's own goal there? I I did not understand that as well. It looked as if they didn't call the goal initially, even though the ball was clearly behind the line? Or was that just me? Because like I said earlier, the referees have a watch, don't they?
2: Well, you would think. Um, the ball clearly passed over the line. The watch should have gone off. It didn't. And yeah, it was what, another 90 seconds later that they finally took a look. So yeah, another just really bizarre play. This is just such a weird game. Uh, like you said, very little flow to it. As I was watching, I was trying to think of talking points. <laughs> like there are no like high quality sustained attacks after the first twenty minutes. Right. It's, it's ugly and boring, and the, the only interesting part of it is the controversy.
0: Yeah, or not so interesting for for madridistas. What's what, what's up with this technology, Chris? The watch is not working anymore. We you know, can't I, trust technology anymore.
1: Alex, I think it's really easy. When I have problems with technology, I turn it off. or i unplug it and then i put it back in and it works just fine
0: okay so that was the ref's fault there He should have just taken it off reset it and then we would have taken another two minutes and then we're good to go That's all
1: it takes you know it's like sorry rebooting so and i think
0: you know there's a lot of talking points in this one i was quite astonished with the pk against marcelo i think marcelo for what is it the was it the third? That's the second PK third goal. Marcelo has every right to go in front and try to poke the ball away. There is absolutely no reason why he should let the Valencia player with his back towards Marcelo, let him turn and shoot. There's absolutely no reason Marcelo did not go through that player's body. He went He covered the goal, which was smart. Then he realized it's going to be a cutback. So he stepped back up, thought it was really good defending. So he goes and just does enough. And we're taught as defenders just to do enough. Sometimes if you can't touch the ball to put the player off and I look at this play and I think Marcelo's done a great job of putting the Valencia player off into a position where he cannot strike this ball and score. And obviously, there's going to be contact because he's going around him. You can't make no contact at all. But you know, the referee saw differently. I I really disagree with this call.
1: Well, I got to say, I disagree with you on this one here. I mean, it's to me, it was one of those instances where uh, Marcelo was playing the man who wasn't playing the ball, and, absolutely, uh, not. and got in the way. No, I, I just to me, it was like, all right, look that 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 would have made sense in the the New Orleans Tampa Bay game last night, uh, that play, but it doesn't make sense in in first division fo- soccer, I should call it, or European football
2: man I mean, I as know. I'm watching that play, Marcelo does try to get around I'm, did he even make contact? I really wasn't sure if there was anything yeah. there, and if there is contact, it's coming from gomez Gomez yeah. is the one not playing the ball. he's the one who's leaning back into Marcelo, and that in is-
1: I I will give credit to the fact that Marcello probably didn't see him and it wasn't a deliberate. Oh, no, he saw him. He yeah. Saw
2: I mean, it's right there in
0: his line. Of- it, Scott, it's Scott. It's like you're saying, it's like you're saying Scott, you know, he, like I said, he goes, you can see his peripherals. He knows exactly. Why would he step back up for the cutback if he didn't see him? So he definitely saw him goes back for the cutback. And like Scott was saying, it's not a foul because it's smart. It's honestly smart from the Valencia player to put his back into Marcelo because that's how you're going to get more contact. But it doesn't – what is Mar- – tell me what Marcelo is supposed to do there. Is he supposed to concede on, on his own line and, and just go like this and, and pin up against the Valencia player? Absolutely not. At that point, you've got to make contact and try to prevent them from scoring. Obviously, you try to get the ball first, but you don't foul. That's a,
1: that's so, a big qualifier if,
0: right there. That's <laughs> a big qualifier right there, but here's the thing. Just because you don't touch the ball doesn't mean it's a foul. For me, that's clear. If you do not touch the ball, is every case where you don't touch the ball a foul? Absolutely not. Sometimes you don't touch the ball, and you just put them off a little bit, and it's not a foul. It, it's that simple. It's ha- it happens all the time. Refs don't so, call it in the middle of the field.
1: So clearly the the, uh, the the player whose name I can't remember right now made the most of it, right, in terms of...
2: of who is it again? So, uh, get- Maxi Gomez. Maxi Gomez. Gomez.
1: Yeah, he, he clearly made a, a show of it. But I still think, look, Alex, you get paid to hip-check people for a living, and yeah, there is a right. line... There's a line that referees know what the line, and that changes, and you got to figure out that, what that is. That was clearly over the line. No, I,
0: I, uh, I disagree. Definitely not clearly, if debatable. I think some refs don't call
2: it. but uh, yeah, The advice I heard was that uh, Marcello should have screamed louder so the call would have gone in his favor. That's literally all he could have done better in that play. Not good
0: enough. Marcelo needs to take some acting classes from, uh, you know, Danny Alves is a pretty good actor. He's, he's very yeah. good.
2: Played together, yeah, yeah.
0: He's he's got his, his what's band. that he member? <laughs> then again, handball for Ramos. Um, for me, this one's a clear PK. <laughs> it's
1: definitely- He did a clear red card, though. Direct throws
0: red. He throws this with his left hand <laughs> in the other direction. I was laughing at this one, really. It was, it was a funny one for me. This is like, oh, yeah, it's not Madrid's day at all.
2: Yeah I I think Ramos just felt left out all the other defenders had given up a goal so you know Ramos yeah. had to get his
1: Yeah should that have been a direct red do the rules allow for a direct red when you are so obvious about knocking the ball out of the way with your hand I don't
2: know I don't know it's not an obvious goal scoring opportunity not obvious enough I guess so yeah I mean the yellow makes sense clear pk <laughs> Yeah just
0: so, so, yeah. Scott, to wrap this oh. up with Madrid to wrap this up with Madrid, I'll give you two choices: undisciplined or unlucky? Which one was it in this game?
2: I can't choose both, huh? yeah more uh,
0: undisciplined or more unlucky for for me,
2: because that first goal should have never happened right
1: i am inclined to agree I, I think it was unlucky. it was just you know it's. The ball bounces funny on some days, and sometimes they bounce funny all the times that right. it really matters.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one because as a pl- when you're watching the game, I think you know, it has to be unlucky. But then when they go back and Zidane goes to the video with them, I, I do think there's going to be more of an element of, of undiscipline. Mm-hmm. Maybe that Marcelo case, not as much, maybe the best. Because actually, you know what? When I really think about it, I got to go with unlucky. I got to go with
2: unlucky but I'm sure accountability if I'm Zidane the biggest talking point is just the lack of potency against a really lousy Valencia defense right how do you score one goal against that defense they're so terrible right and
0: unfortunate for a guy like Isco who came into the squad and and this result happens it it does not look good for a guy like him right Scott to come in and and it just does not go your way and we know how talented he is he's brilliant player but it just hasn't been going his way in this in this team unfortunate for sure um atletico madrid smashed cadiz they let him know they let him know what's up there two goals and an assist from Jao felix continuing his hot street streak and uh, suarez again looks like he's still feeling it he's still scoring the goals Yourente scoring as well they got the job done sevilla beat osasuna 1-0 from an ocampos pk scott like you were saying looks like they're starting to turn things around maybe it's too premature to say that but hopefully for sevilla's case and then finally our last game here we do have to mention shout out again real sociedad versus granada they beat them 2-0 and i think in the next few podcasts you know maybe we should dive deeper into the number one team in spain because you know, we we have had a habit lately of kind of brushing them off to the side and saying, you know what, they're just getting the job done, getting the job done. Maybe we should spend a little more time going deeper on Sociedad. They deserve that. So, Barca versus Betis, 5-2. Impressive scoreline. Impressive scoreline. Chris, they got the job done, yes. Weird thing was, Messi didn't start the game. Apparently, he was struggling with a very, very minor injury. That's what the report said. Some reports were saying it was because he needed to rest, whatever the case may be. Definitely not because of talent. Piquet and Lingley back into the center back position. I was very happy to see that with De Jong's last performance against Kiev and, and obviously De Jong you know, not being in his natural position. And he looked much more comfortable in this game. Dembele made a big impact the beautiful chop with his right and, you know, the first goal, smashing it in with his left one, zero Dembele is. We've seen, we all seen the interviews where he doesn't even know if he's right footed or left footed. So he takes PKs with his right foot, free kicks with his left. What a player to have, um, in, in your lineup, especially on the wing. And as a defender, I'll tell you, if you don't know if a player is going to go to his left or his right, it's really hard because genuinely you have to respect when he's on his right foot and he fakes a shot, he actually might shoot with his right foot. So it makes it very difficult for, for defenders. Fatih gets taken down PK Griezmann misses. Fortunately for his case, he did get a goal later on with a beautiful dummy from Messi, attracting all the attention and just letting the ball go. And in these cases, I feel so unfortunate for players that have an amazing dummy guys and they, they don't get an assist. They don't get themselves on the stat sheet. And then Sanabria comes back to haunt Barcelona. He makes it 1-1 right before that Griezmann goal, right before the half. Lenglet and Piquet just get caught reaching out with, with their legs. Not really any strong tackles there. And then handball on the line from Mandi from a Dembele shot gives Betis a red card. Maybe harsh, but if you're right in front of the goal, goaltending, it's got to be a red. Messi... Converts the PK. Then all of a sudden, it looks like it's Barcelona's game. No, wait for a second. 3-2, moron scoring. Terrible 1v1 defending out on the right-handed side. Lingley gets beat way too easily, 1v1. And finally, Messi comes in clutch from a really good flick from Sergio Roberto. 4-2. You know, Braithwaite was right there. He could have cut it back to him. Messi says, no, I'm going to fake the pass and just hit it. Upper right-hand corner. And then... The big win, 5-2, when Pedri completes the flattering scoreline with a nice cross from Sergi Roberto. So that wraps up the recaps for both Champions League and La Liga. Chris, I'll turn it over to you to talk about a couple points maybe for what the table is looking like. Maybe any predictions that, that we have here.
1: Well, I just want to recap things and get get y'all's take uh, and, and share a couple of my own. I mean, uh, Alex, you just mentioned Real Sociedad is leading it all with twenty points, right? They have a goal right. differential of sixteen, right? I'm I'm even looking at, am I looking at the right year? Am I looking at the right league? I mean, that's pretty impressive. Via, Villarreal, eighteen points with a more human four goal differential uh, at th- third place is Atletico Madrid. They've only given up two goals, goal differential of 15, and they're at 17 points. And then we get some more familiar names along with Atletico is Real Madrid, um, who uh, have have given up five goals, which is solid, but um, I'm sorry, they've given up nine goals with a five goal differential. So their defense is looking a little bit leaky there. Um, and then underneath that Granada Cadiz real Betis and Barca uh, At eighth place and Valencia at ninth uh, and hit at tenth So I will tell you I mean we're a, a little more than 20 20 percent say closer to 25 percent done And I'm trying to start drawing some conclusions as Sevilla deserved to be in 12th place with a goal differential of only only one um, Scott, help me unpack this. What's going on here? Well, the two games in hand for
2: the Champions League squads, that definitely takes a toll. Um, Maybe disguising some of the results. Ultimately, I think Sevilla will climb up the tables. They really haven't played that bad. Um, For them, I think it is more just a matter of a few things have gone against them and their finishing has been poor. So I do think we'll see Sevilla recover their ground. Barcelona, obviously, will climb back up the table. But you got to look at Real Sociedad and Atletico Madrid at this point. You know, the goal differential is is really impressive for each side. Um, Didn't foresee Real Sociedad only allowing four goals through nine games. I mean, that's really shocking. We knew the attacking talent was there. But they're looking very secure defensively. And that's, I think, ultimately going to be what gets them into you know potential Champions League spot. And then for Atletico, um, that Simeone defensive stoutness, it's back. Even with Partey gone, to only allow two goals in seven matches, that's a real cause for concern for both Real Madrid and Barcelona. So to see that they're both outscoring those other two sides and now defending ruthlessly like they did years ago um, this is a scary team to watch right and just to wrap things up here
0: with with my take on it um, Sociedad I think need, really needs these points and, and you know they're going to be not finishing in first. I think it's safe to say. I think they will eventually drop. I think within the next few weeks, once Atletico Madrid can make up the games played, they have two games in hand. You know, I think they'll jump to top spot, and then it's going to be Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid for number one and two for a while, with Sociedad being in that third position. I think Barcelona will start to creep up eventually by the, the midpoint of the season. And maybe by Christmas, we'll see Barcelona in, I think, you know, fourth place. And I think eventually they will overtake it. So it'll look like the top three that we're used to. I don't expect Sevilla to to really climb up that quickly, though. I think that'll be a kind of a... They've dug a deep hole for, them, for themselves, especially lately. Um, with with Sociedad again playing very well, Vida Real playing very well as well, and Granada, cadiz being just dangerous teams. I think Sevilla is going to be looking at 7th, 8th for a bit, and then perhaps by Christmas they can be in those Europa spots. But those are, you know, pretty easy, simple predictions that for us, that's what we expect from La Liga. So, I think the most interesting part is is who's going to win this thing and if ever there was a year for atletico madrid to take over la liga we've seen how vulnerable barcelona and real madrid are they can do this i i think they can really really do this so those head-to-head games are are ones that we're definitely going to keep our eye on with that being said We're not previewing any games uh, this week due to upcoming international breaks. So that's our show. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Total Football Analysis La Liga podcast. A big thank you to Chris and Scott for your fantastic insights today. We would also like to thank Total Football Analysis Solutions. Go check out www.totalfootballanalysis.com. They are the world's largest open source soccer analyst community. See you next, in a couple weeks, not next week, in a couple weeks, and hasta luego.